Welcome everybody to episode 2 of Behold Pop Culture, the show where we take a look at some popular people and events in pop culture and try to find the lessons that we can take away from their transgressions. For this episode, we're going to be discussing someone that I've seen referred to by many names. His real name being Jacquees Webster, but I guess the name that most people know him as is Travis Scott, the rager himself. In order to make an observation at what lessons we could take away from Travis Scott, I'm going to go album by album for his three most major projects, Rodeo, Birds in the Trap Sing McKnight, and Astroworld. I know that he has mixtapes behind and in between them, but I feel like these albums were his most influential. So let's dive in. Number one. Rodeo, a young 23-year-old Travis Scott, hungry, sleeping in random people's houses. Travis Scott wanted to arrive at a very early age. He had been raised on music. His uncle, his father, his, his family around him had been influencing him to get into music. But of course, like most parents, they valued education more highly. His mother urged him to get a degree. She wanted him to to be able to compete in any field that he wanted to, not just in music. And Travis Scott, he took a leap of faith. His sophomore year, he drops out. He doesn't tell his parents. He uses their money to go to New York. And once they catch wind of this, he's on his own. So this young, thirsty Travis Scott comes, he releases Owl Pharaoh, his first mixtape, and it, it gained some attention, but it wasn't the boom that you need to put your name out there as a mainstream artist. So here he comes with his second mixtape, Days Before Rodeo. The XXL freshman Travis Scott, he had gained traction in, in the hip-hop community through this, but They wanted to see what his first real project would sound like. Who is Travis Scott? We see clips of him raging in small concerts. We see his sound being something unique, but it's hard to put a finger on what exactly is unique about it. Is it just the auto-tune? Is it the way he produces the records? Rodeo needed to be his arrival. It's his first studio album and people who could be fans or may already have been hardcore fans wanted to see what he could do. So Hungry Travis Scott delivers. This trap album with heavy Southern influence considering he's from Houston, Texas, had an Atlanta twist on the sound. Now, people familiar with Southern hip hop might already know that DJ Screw was famous for his twist on sound he made his beats sound like what it was to be high on lean. And not surprisingly, Travis Scott, who's admittedly been influenced by DJ Screw, used his trap sound to simulate a psychedelic experience. Not necessarily lean, but more of what I assume LSD to feel like. These albums are exactly what I imagine a psychedelic experience to feel like. From the sound itself to the videos that he puts out, it 
puts your mind in a whole nother state. So when he comes with Rodeo, you could hear the trap influence, but his spin on it was interesting. Now, speaking for myself, I hadn't heard anything like that at the time. So it stood out to me. I'm sure it stood out to many other people who may not have been familiar with the sound that reminds me, quite honestly, of what Jimi Hendrix was to his generation. So here comes young 23-year-old Travis with this record that is endorsed by T.I., Kanye West, Future. He has a feature from Justin Bieber from Young Thug. As far as mainstream goes, this was a big debut. So with all these endorsements, just looking at the track list here, this was a jam-packed album, 16 songs. And on each individual song, they were their own experience. Rather than following a traditional model of trying to make a pop song or trying to tell a story throughout the album with a more conceptual side, he made these songs that felt like each individual sound was its own experience. This explains why a song like 90210 was so popular. It, it was new. It wasn't what pop music was. It had that psychedelic feel to it. And with that psychedelic feel, I think that it made him stand out early. While we've seen a lot of young artists waver, he knew exactly where he wanted to go with his sound. So on Rodeo, we hear a Travis who is truly becoming the figure that he's portraying. He, he's no longer Jacquees Webster. He's breaking off. He is the rebel. This, this sounds like someone entering their adolescence and not rejecting it. He likely experienced many different things with his drug use, but he wasn't shying away from it. I've seen a similar sense from ASAP Rocky. So Travis delivers this project where he let his creativity flow, something that not all mainstream artists are truly doing when these record labels make suggestions to these artists and kind of limit their creativity. They aren't allowing a lot of new sounds to come into hip hop or just music in general. So when Travis comes with this psychedelic experience, I can only imagine what true drug users felt with this. It definitely made it stand out in the landscape. Uh, other artists at the time were popular with the trap sound, Amigos, Future, obviously T.I., who's considered a godfather of trap music. Travis being around these people in Atlanta was clearly influencing his sound, but he didn't allow it to take over his sound. So the first lesson that he taught us was let your creativity flow. He had put his entire life on the line to make it in the music business. He was going to do it. And when you have nothing to lose, you have everything to gain. So experimenting with these sounds created his brand. Travis Scott, the hip hop artist, but Travis Scott, the, the artist that experiments, the artist that resonates with a psychedelic crowd, yet still creates music that resonates with people who aren't experienced with drugs. So in addition to letting his creativity flow, he he embodied where he was at that time. He didn't tell us exactly where he was, 
he embodied it. You could feel it in his music. When you hear the stories of him sleeping on random people's couches, you can, you can understand it. The album was one of a rebel, a misfit, someone counted out many times. So he was speaking to misfits on the album. He refused to conform a lesson that I can't all the way advocate for, but I would never disagree with. I think that conformity is sometimes necessary, but choosing not to conform in the right moments can break barriers. Choosing not to conform is what causes a civilization to move forward. And knowing when and when not to conform is difficult in and of itself, but mastering that is what gives us a Travis Scott. Once you decide you're not gonna conform, once you take on this role as the rebel, how do you wanna impact people? Now, it may not be as clear to the casual listener, but I'll give you my interpretation of what I think Travis Scott wanted to get across with this album, Rodeo. I'm here. I'm not your typical rapper. I'm not a lyricist. I'm not a singer. I'm not necessarily a cross between both, but I'm in my own lane. Artists like T-Pain had to struggle to allow autotune to be accepted. He broke a barrier that Travis Scott ran through. He, he put a chokehold on the autotune lane. Now we see a lot of artists using the autotune lightly, but Travis Scott dove all the way in. It's funny, I, I saw a clip the other day of this little kid that Travis bought on stage, and when he put the mic on the kid, that auto-tune sounded all sorts of out of place. It made the kid sound like an off-brand T-Pain. But when he tailor-made put the work in and figured out the best way to make his sound, that auto-tune on his voice sounds, for the audiophiles out there, it sounds perfect. I know that perfect isn't truly attainable, but it fits. So when he, he tried to figure out how he wanted to impact people, he wanted to be the rebel. He was the guy who uses sounds that aren't accepted yet and wanted to make them accepted. And beyond that, again, speaking for myself, I'm not looking for lyricism from Travis. As someone who doesn't take psychedelic drugs, who isn't experienced in that field, to be able to simulate that that's really what I'm looking for with his music. I'm looking for an experience. Take me on the psychedelic journey. While I can't confirm that it's an accurate representation, I think that anyone who disagrees, please let me know and I'll correct myself. You know, this, this didn't divide his fan base. It united it because in today's culture, I think it's fair to say Again, disclaimer, this is my opinion, but I think it's fair to say that the psychedelic crowd is not accepted. But for Travis to create a psychedelic experience for the average person, it didn't separate anyone, it brought us together. We started to understand the fascination with it, not that I'm advocating for its use, but it was interesting. It felt throughout the project like an elevation so finally, referring back to the track list here, I think there is a theme of elevation, a theme of being the misfit that's going down his own path. 
So when he talks about this side with Quavo, he's talking about the traditional side of life and the rebellious side of life. And I assume that he grappled and wrestled with which part do I want to be, you know? He's a straight-A student over here that could go the traditional way of life, get his degree, or he could be the rebel who risks it all to become the best. And this album, some might say it's his best because of that. The hunger bled through to the sound, and we enjoyed it. I think this is a good time to transition to his second album, Birds in the Trap Sing McKnight. Now a 24-year-old Travis Scott, not too far removed from Rodeo, only about a year after releases a another trap album, but this one wasn't as well received as Rodeo. A lot of people like to say that it was rushed. They feel that it didn't resonate the same way, but personally, I think it was great. I don't think it was as challenging to pop culture as Rodeo was, but it still showed I'm a talent. I'm, I'm just as good as my peers in my own way. I don't want to challenge Kendrick on his lyricism. I don't want to challenge Drake on his singing. I just want to be in my lane and be respected for what I do. Now, completely going straight opinion here because the album, it did its numbers. He has multiple certifications. The most popular song on the album being Goosebumps with Kendrick that has now on Spotify at least over a billion streams. It's clear the album was successful from a numbers perspective. There's no question of that. But with regards to how it hit the fans, I think that the success of Rodeo had just hit him. He's still the rebel now, but how do I maneuver as the rebel who's now getting invited to award shows, who's now more in the eye of the people? How do I adjust to this? And I don't think for anyone that's ever an easy thing. So coming here, I didn't feel like he was the rebel on Birds in the Trap Sing McKnight. I felt like he was just an artist trying to make good music. There wasn't an agenda that I felt on it. I think he was just inspired. And because of that, I think that this was just a great trap album. I didn't feel the same way psychedelically about this album. I think there's great songs on it. There's several notable songs that went viral. Again, Goosebumps being the most popular with Kendrick. But at this point now, beyond the people that were endorsing him early on, now he's mingling with more and more figures that are mainstream. So while there aren't too many new features on this album, I could hear him just trying to put out a good trap album. And within that, I think a good project came, but the lesson was that he was just confident. On Rodeo, I don't think it's confidence that bled through. I think it was arrogance. And as he settles into the role as Travis Scott, Birds in the Trap Sing McKnight felt more like an interlude. It felt like his adolescence. He's still talented, so he's not going to put out trash albums. But this, was, this wasn't this was what people expected. People wanted Rodeo Part 2. So I think that there was a disconnect with that, and that led it to maybe not being as received with his core fan base as well. But in my opinion, this is far from a bad album. 
So I think the best lesson to learn from this is focus on your confidence. Even if you feel like you're entering a new stage of your life, as long as you maintain your confidence, you'll still make it through. He still made great songs on this album. His experimentation was more safe. He he was still putting out the trap music, but he didn't feel like the guy sleeping on a lot of people's couches. He's settling in. So I'm going to have the unpopular opinion here and say that this was a great transition for what comes next. As he toured Birds in the Trap Sing McKnight, he, he had this bird that he was flying on. He started to make some headlines. If you didn't know, he was on tour with Kendrick Lamar. He opened for him. But now he was gaining a lot of success for someone who wasn't acknowledged as a, a big artist at the time. He was rising. Birds in the Trap gained some critical acclaim but he wasn't looked at as a superstar yet. So he would continue touring and he started to gain notoriety for his shows. Interesting enough, while some of his peers would gain their notoriety through the quality of songs that they put out almost exclusively, he was turning these experiences into shows the shows in and of themselves were experiences. They weren't necessarily just him rapping on a stage. He was a great performer. And I think that we may not have realized it early on until the lead up to Astro World. He would have these rages and these mosh pits where people released. They released all of this energy into the atmosphere. And I've seen it now four times and every time I'm amazed. So as Astroworld comes up, his fans, they've been demanding this since Rodeo. They, they've heard that this was supposed to be Rodeo Part 2, so they're amped up. He's promoting it a little bit more. He's saying Astroworld's on the way, Astroworld's on the way. And his last big announcement is at GovBall. GovBall New York 2018. He, he teases it. He, he lets us hear stargazing stargazing the psychedelic experience of looking up into the stars and seeing endlessness so we're excited about it we still enjoy all of his prior songs but what's next and he drops astroworld an ode to an old theme park in houston that he used to enjoy so with astroworld comes his first number one song another number one album tons of merchandise sold multiple grammy nominations the accolades are there he puts out the song sicko mode that goes viral is a light way to put it that song is one for our generation one of the biggest songs that we've seen anyone who at all is involved in pop culture or knows anything about it is familiar with this song he he comes with the same people that rode with him before he reinvites the weekend, Sway Lee. Frank Ocean, another misfit. The Migos who've been there from the start. And he delivers another quality album. So what's different about this one, you may be wondering. He felt settled. He took the two years off just touring as he crafted this piece of work. 
And while he still gives us the psychedelic experience, it no longer feels like a hungry artist. It feels like he's still in touch with his rebellious roots. He's still gonna give us something unique, but now he feels like a superstar. I'm not sure how many moments you've witnessed with that, but this was a clear moment where he ascends to stardom. We have a lot of stars in our time, but that ascent is always a particularly special moment. We've seen it with Kendrick with To Pimp a Butterfly. We saw it with Drake on Views. It's this moment, whether it's a song or a project, where universally we have to accept this guy is a superstar. And this was that moment for Travis. Only a couple months removed from having his first child and now a partner to supposed billionaire Kylie Jenner. And Travis is now settled into his role as Travis Scott. So in terms of lessons to take from Astroworld, we, we see him put out this great music, but in his maturity now as a 26-year-old, as a it's how do I build for the future? He got all the right people around him. He's looking for a way he can evolve and he accomplishes that. Whether you feel like this is his best project or not, you can't deny the confidence being admitted here. It's, he transitions from the arrogance on rodeo to the misplacement on Birds in the Trap Sing McKnight to the finale on Astroworld where he's now confidently Travis Scott and can do what he wants in this game. He's settled in. So now he's challenged with the question of how can I evolve, but at the very least, he's permanently carved out his niche. And when he goes on tour, fans are always gonna wanna see him because attached to him beyond the music, these concerts are this release for his fans. You come with all your problems, He's now telling you from this perspective of I'm on the other side of it now. On Rodeo and Birds, he's telling us what it's like to be a rebel. He is the rebel. But now he's on the other side of it of where being a rebel actually worked out. So he looks back to his fans and says, come to my concerts with your problems. Come with the feelings of anxiety, the feelings of being counted out, the feelings of, I know what I'm capable of, but I don't know how to translate that. Come and release it. All the negative weight on his fans' backs, they come and they mosh, they scream, they emit this powerful energy and release the pain into the air. And as he leaves the stage, as Travis leaves the stage, it's all gone. You've released it all. And you're looking back and just, you're in awe of what just occurred. So appropriately enough, he concludes Astroworld with the song Coffee Bean that doesn't gain the attention that I think it truly deserves. It's one of the few songs where he's actually reflecting completely on where he's at in life, both as a black man and a superstar and then the father, he's settled. So what we can take away from that is he won. He was the rebel, he was the 
the guy who did something non-traditional and made it out with it. So sometimes you just need to be confident in your idea. That doesn't mean it's always going to work, but just conforming is going to lead you to a life of simplicity. If this is what you desire, then by all means, go ahead with that. I'm not going to disparage that lifestyle. But if you truly take a look at the biggest figures in our history, both in pop culture history and true human history, they were nonconformists. Travis is just another example of that. He now can maneuver as he wants. He recently was able to do a concert on Fortnite. His brand is permanently what it is. It's, it's hard to imitate. Yeah, you can throw auto-tune on your sound and you can try to imitate his production style, but he's carved out this role where his creativity is truly unique and he continues to deliver and you can't beat his team. You can't beat having Kanye West and The Weeknd in your corner. You can't beat having Mike Dean, a phenomenal producer, and yourself being a great producer in your corner. He, he always emphasizes how he cares so much about the drums and the percussion, the, the drum sounds on his songs always deliver. So as he's carved this out, who is truly his competition? Numbers-wise, he may be trying to win the awards that he feels like he's being snubbed on, most notably the Grammys, but in terms of having to ever worry about someone coming and overtaking his sound, that's a pipe dream. So Travis teaches us that being the rebel can work if you're willing to work as hard as it needs to be. So if you ever have those feelings of not belonging or wrestle with the thought of, I know this isn't where I need to be, first of all, definitely take the time to think out that thought. But second of all, only you know what's going to be best for you. And if you truly meditate on it and feel like a certain decision is what needs to take place, that doesn't mean that you're automatically going to fail. You just have to keep that thought close to you and be willing to evolve with it. Travis took the, the rebel role and evolved with it. Yes, I'm the rebel. Yes, I'm picking a path that's going to be difficult, but I'm always going to work hard. So even when I'm no longer just a rebel, when I do reach the success that I'm searching for, I'm still going to be the hard worker and I'm just going to find the next stage for me. So now the stage for him is not just staying at the top, but being a mentor. If that's not admirable, I don't know what is. He's trying to now lift up young artists who resonate with that. He's looking for people like Pop Smoke, rest in peace, who brought new sounds to the landscape. And now collaborating with Rosalia and experimenting with the Spanish sound, and it still sounds good because he has this carved out niche where it's not lyricism, it's not singing ability, but the sound he brings with him. It's like every time you get a feature from him, you need to send him the track so that he can produce the entire experience of his verse. So with that concludes lessons we can take from Travis Scott. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you taking out your time. 
I hope that if you like it, you'll subscribe or at least leave a review. I'm looking for any ways to improve myself, just like I'm suggesting ways for you to improve yourself. And I hope that you'll listen to my next episode. Peace out.